welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine. Hi, I'm Ingrid Birchall-Hughes, and I'm serialising the love letters of my great-great-grandparents, Fred Shepherd and Janie Warburton. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where we take a look at Victorian history through their eyes, and today we have a row about bridesmaids. Fred continues to try and rein in Janie's wedding plans to absolutely no avail. was a royal wedding year. The youngest son of Queen Victoria, Prince Leopold, married Princess Helen of Waldeck and Piermont that April. You may remember back in season one, Fred got to see Prince Leopold when he came on the royal train to visit Sheffield for the purpose of opening Firth College. Then, as now, there were acres of column inches devoted to the royal wedding, Pictures of all the bridesmaids appeared in the London Illustrated News, and gushing accounts of the proceedings were carried in the regional as well as the national papers. I'm sure Janie and her friends would have been fascinated, but in terms of what sort of weddings were likely to influence Janie, I'm sure she would have seen some of the details in the accounts of local weddings more achievable. For example, Here's the account of a Yorkshire Society wedding that appeared in the Sheffield Daily Telegraph in July 1882. Marriage of Miss H. M. Ellison The marriage of Mr Edmund William Eyre of Blackrock, Dublin, to Miss Hilda Mary Ellison, youngest daughter of Mr M. J. Ellison of Beech Hill, was celebrated in St Maria's Church yesterday in the presence of a very large number of their friends. The bride, who was given away by her father, wore a dress of white satin with broche skirt and white satin train trimmed with Brussels lace and orange blossom. There were four bridesmaids, Miss E. Ellison, Miss Eyre, Miss W. Ellison and Miss K. Ellison. They wore dresses of pale blue nun's cloth trimmed with lace and hats to correspond and carried bouquets of red roses. The bridegroom's presents to the bridesmaids consisted of ivory ball tablets with silver pencils. The marriage ceremony was performed by the Reverend Barnard J. Wake, cousin to the bride. As the bridal party entered the church, the organist Mr Kirk played the bridal march from Lohengrin. At the conclusion of the service, Mr Kirk played the usual wedding march. The breakfast took place at Beach Hill, and afterwards the happy couple left to spend the honeymoon at the Lakes and Scotland. In the afternoon, the wedding party proceeded to Bakewell. The presents were very numerous and costly, and included a fine pearl necklace presented by the Duke and Duchess of Norfolk and worn by the bride. Now, I'm not suggesting that Janie would have seen all this within her reach, but I'm willing to bet that she would have carefully kept an eye on fashionable trends. Now, we know the royal bridesmaids wore veils and flowers in their hair because there's a painting commemorating Prince Leopold's wedding. However, lots of society bridesmaids reported in the Sheffield newspapers that year mentioned them wearing hats. From Janie's comments in her letters, it looks as if the dresses were the responsibility of the bridesmaids themselves, and her choice seems influenced by the clothes the women already have. 
But Janie decides her bridesmaids will also be wearing hats and has been having a go at making them herself. However, before we get back into all the wedding minutiae, Fred is having an interesting time as he and the new company secretary of the North Eastern Steelworks continue to size each other up. Albert Terrace, Linthorpe Road, Middlesbrough, September the 12th, 1882. My own darling wife, I received your very welcome letter this morning, for which I thank you, love. I should have answered it by tonight's post, but we have been so busy all day today that I really could not find time. I expected that when the secretary came, he would relieve a lot of work, and especially of the letters. But instead of that, he reads and then hands over half to me with the remark, Mr Shepherd, you will attend to these. The others he sends down to the works, to Marston, and which Marston brings up about five o'clock, and tells me what he thinks about them, and I frame the letters. Of course, I do not write the letters, but I have to dictate them, which takes up a lot of my time. The secretary does not come until half past ten, and then leaves at half past four, so that he contrives to have a very decent time of it. I should be inclined to strike against this turning over to me of the work, if it were not for that this is just the experience that I want, and which I expect will be very useful to me hereafter. Actual correspondence, share business and ledger work, I was entirely ignorant of which when I came up here, but am not so much now. I was considered good all round before I left Brown, Bailey and Dixon and company, but I think I shall soon be, if I go on, and perhaps capable, of taking a secretary's duties, which is the next step higher, and which I mean to be, if possible. When you come to think that our secretary has £450 a year, I think it is well worth being one. You see, with him turning over so much to me, it gives me the actual duties to perform, of course without the credit, but that I do not mind. We have got a new man today, and I think he will be useful to me. I have not so much of the drudgery of clerking to do now. The others do that, so that I have realised one of my old dreams. The next one, that is to do nothing but sign one's name, I have not got to yet. You must excuse me dilating on what must be very uninteresting to you, unless it is that with concerning me it interests my little wife. I will now turn to your letter, love. I am pleased that you had such an enjoyable afternoon last Saturday, love. I expected you would have, seeing as that it was for the all-important day in your life. I want my wife, though, to remember in all her preparations that marriage is not only a day on which to be great, but that it is a divine institution ordained by God for the good of mankind, and as such must be regarded to have a right conception of it. You'll be able to get the ties any time you go to Sheffield, love. I should not trouble about that just yet. I am very sorry to hear that George Denton is so very ill, love. I thought he would get over it all right, but it seems that it is not to be so. I hope, my darling, that you will not have a tenth part of the trouble that Clara has had. I should like to think that you will have not had any, but everybody seems to have some of one kind or another, and I suppose we shall not be the exception. However, my wife and I will try to bear up together under it, won't we, my darling? Harriet and Miss Watson seem to have anticipated our wedding a little early, love. I expect it will have been canvassed pretty freely in Handsworth, Darnell and Attercliffe, among our numerous friends and acquaintance, but unfortunately we cannot help that. I am sorry that you were not so successful as you could wish with the hats, love. I expect you had seen such nice ones in Sheffield, that yours will look ordinary by the side of them, but they are sure to be nice if you make them. I have not written to Tommy Hughes yet, love, but will do so in the first opportunity. 
I am very pleased to hear that you will not go in for making up, my darling, for you know it is yourself I want, not the bustles, etc. I am glad to hear that your father is better, love. I hope he will long keep up. I will take your advice, love, if I am ill again and see a doctor about it. At present, I am almost in my usual good health. I arranged with the house agent finally today, love, and enclose you a copy of the letter I sent him. He sent me a lot of papers to choose. They were all common, and besides that, dear, and I did not know how much he would be getting out of them. So I have arranged that he shall give me half the money, and I will do the other half myself. I think I can get it done very nicely by a firm that we have done business with, and perhaps cheaper. I shall wait your letter tomorrow, love, after which I will give you a little more. Meanwhile, I love you more than ever. It wants exactly a month today, love, to the day. I was thinking tonight when I got home. How nice it will be to have a dear little wife ready to kiss me and to be with me always. Oh, love, it will be like heaven to me, I think, to be with you always. We shall have some happy evenings then, my darling. I forgot to reply to Jeannie's letter, love, before, but you can tell her that notwithstanding the two visions of loveliness that will be there, I shall not be in any doubt who is my wife. In the middle of Fred's letter, one from Janie arrives. So to preserve the flow of the conversation, I will drop it in here now. Hansworth, September the 12th, 1882. My own darling husband, I now have time to give you a little more. I am very busy sewing today, getting the house linen ready for our home love. Annie Laverack and I went down to see Annie Workley last night, and she was in sad trouble. Joe had been over and made such a row. Poor Annie has something to put up with. You say, love, you know I have a weakness for a nice wedding, and that you must give up yours for a quiet one. We will have it as quiet as we can at Hansworth. I want you to give way to another bridesmaid, as I cannot very well leave Annie Workley out. And Ginny and Annie Laverack have got rather gloomy dresses. I want Annie to go between them, as she has a nice light dress. So, love, you must not please say a word against it, as Annie is a very old friend. I will consider it over, love, about spending a day or two at Redcar or Saltburn. I have been thinking, love, that if we went there, how shall we manage about getting the furniture? You will only have Friday and Saturday to be with me all the day, and you will only have the morning and evenings the next week. But we might manage to go on the Saturday morning to Redcar or Saltburn, as we could get the furniture in the house on the Friday, and then come back to refresh to work on the Monday morning and stay with Mrs Gordon for about a week. Then I think I could get the house in something like order. I am afraid I have not made my meaning very clear, love, but I think you'll be able to unravel it. I have no time to write it over again and put it clearer. When you go down to our house, love, I mean ours in Milton Street, will you measure the length and width of the front windows, then I can make the blinds, and the length of the back you can send afterwards. I think, love, that it would be best to have a few cards printed to similar to what I put in our frets. I have thought it would not be hardly necessary to have the other. I will tell you tomorrow what to put on. I have not time for more today. I remain, my darling husband, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. <laughs> September the 13th, 1882. My darling, I received your welcome letter this morning, for which I thank you. I suppose I must not say anything about the additional bridesmaid, but I must say that I think it is unnecessary... I can't help thinking that if you'd stuck to one, you would have been spared three. You see, love, what I wish is to avoid people thinking that we wish to show off in any way. 
You know how uncharitable people are in these things, and I want to spare them being so if possible. Besides, show is quite unnecessary. However, you do not belong to me yet altogether, so that I cannot possibly stop it, however much as I might wish to do so. I have been thinking whether you originally intended to have three, and taken this as means of breaking it to me. If this is so, it does not speak well of your opinion or respect of me, love. Shall you stop at three now, love, or have you another in reserve? With reference to the projected excursion to somewhere for a few days, I don't quite see, even with your arrangement, that we shall gain much time, as it will probably be four o'clock on the Friday when we got there, and if we went to Redcar on the Saturday morning, it would not give us much time. Do you intend that anything shall come the week before, love, as the house will be quite ready by October, and we could put them there, or Mr Marston or Mr Davies will be very pleased to store us anything? I wish I was there with you, darling, and then I could help you arrange things. I will send you the sizes of the blinds tomorrow, love. Mr Marston was asking me on Sunday what would be the most suitable present. I told him I had not the least idea. Can you tell me, love, what I shall say to him when he asks me again? I have seen the house again today. He has promised to allow one pound and ten shillings towards papering the house. I think I can get it done nicely for three pounds, love. I shall get the price tomorrow and will let you know. I remain your loving chew and faithful husband, Fred. Hansworth, September the 14th, 1882. My own darling husband, we have been awfully busy all day. I have not time to give you much tonight, but will give you a longer one for Sunday. I received your nice long letter this morning. Our maid will be home tonight, so I will answer it for Sunday. You say Mr Marston asked what would be the most suitable present, love. I thought I had better answer that, as he might see you and ask you again, but I really cannot tell you. I think you had better to leave it to him to get what he likes. I am pleased you are better, love. They will think I am quite a stranger at your house, as I have not been this week, but I shall call tomorrow as I come back from Mrs Fleer's. I love you more than ever and remain your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Royal Exchange Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, September the 15th, 1882. My own darling wife, I received your two letters of yesterday for which I thank you very much. You must not be bothered about me, wife, as I feel quite well now, my darling. With regard to the wedding cards, I will have some printed. I suppose what you have given me will be the thing, won't it, love? I wish our wedding was next week, love, but I do want you to look after me and I to look after you too, love. I will tell Mr Marston to get what he likes, as you suggest. If you called at our house today, love, please tell me how they all were. I am sorry to say I have not got the size of the window blinds yet. You see, I have no rule here and the painter was going to get them for me, but I have not heard from him since. I shall be able to tell you what I think in my Sunday's letter. We had an awful wet day yesterday, but today is beautiful. I should like a walk with you, my darling, tonight, but I must wait a little while and then we can have one every night, love. I remain my darling wife, your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. I went to the gas office yesterday and signed a book for the meter to be fixed. You must excuse the shortness of letter, love. I will give you a longer one for Sunday. Hansworth, September the 16th, 1882. My own darling husband, 
I received your welcome letter this morning, for which I thank you, love, and I quite excuse the shortness of it. You have had a good many short ones from me this last two weeks, darling, but we have been so busy we have not got straightened yet. We have had two bedrooms painted and papered so we could not get on with cleaning them, and our John is painting the club room. We've got the little room done, but the far room is upset yet. Father's going to have that cleaned. We have not had it done since we came to the house, so I think it has stood very well. We shall look quite smart for the wedding, shan't we, love? They're not doing it because of that. It is because it really wants it. I think what I have told you to have on the cards is quite the thing, love. I wish I could have gone a walk with you, my darling, last night. There is nothing I should have enjoyed better. I wish you could have brought me from Dana like you used to. We are having splendid weather here. It has been grand for Doncaster races. I will now answer your other letter. I thought the secretary would take some of the work off your shoulders, love, but it seems as though he intends to have an easy time of it. But never mind if the work is useful to you. I know you will get through it, love, and I hope the new man will be very useful to you. I think you will realise all your old dreams in time, my darling, even to having nothing to do but sign your name. Anything that concerns you at all interests me, your wife, love, so never be afraid of wearying me with anything. I expect we shall have our share of trouble, darling, but we shall be together and will help each other to bear up under it. I think George Denton is a little better, but he is going as fast as possible. I do not think they have canvassed our wedding very much in Handsworth, love. I have heard very little about it. We have kept it as quiet as possible. Of course, it will have to come out on Sunday week with the bands. The hats were too dark, so Ginny is going to wear her cream-coloured one, and Annie one of the same kind. Father still keeps better. I'm glad you did not have the papers the house agent offered you, as your choice will be best. It was a good idea, love, to have the money instead. It will be nice to be at home to welcome you and be with you always. We shall have some happy evenings. I have no more bridesmaids in reserve, nor did I intend having three at the first. So please do not be cross, love, because I love you and did not intend to displease you. Do wish you were here tonight, love. I should like to see you, if only for a few minutes. I must wait patiently for a little longer, and then I shall always be with you. With reference to the projected excursion to somewhere for a few days, love, you say we shall not get to Middlesbrough until four o'clock, as I thought we would not stop at York if we go to Redcar, but go straight through to Middlesbrough on our wedding day, and it would save a little expense, and see about the things coming the week before, and see York some other time. I should like to go away the same night. I will tell you nearer the time, love, about things coming the week before. It is very good of Mr Marston and Mr Davis offering to store them for us. I wish you were here, my darling, to help me arrange everything. I love you more than ever, and remain, my darling husband, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. You know, I'm not really comfortable with Fred accusing Janie of manipulating him about the number of bridesmaids. I don't think she's like that at all. Fred should know better, frankly. Although the issue of bridesmaids has now been resolved, and for once to Janie's liking rather than Fred's, next time the issue of how many groomsmen suddenly crops up. We also find out about the bands of marriage being published, including a rare letter from Janie's brother, John. And in order to help her mother-in-law-to-be, Janie offers to make a generous sacrifice. Thank you so much for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. 
I'd very much like to share Fred and Janie's story with more people. So if you haven't already, could I ask you to leave a review on your podcast app, if there's a space to? It really helps more people find Fred and Janie's story. You can also find excerpts of Fred and Janie's letters on Instagram at my love letter time machine, all one word. And you can write to me at my love letter time machine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care. <laughs>